but yeah, so we've got Marauders, um, yeah. uh, aka the Magnificent Four, um, or whatever you <laughs> want to call it. And uh, and then I figured we'll take a break from this. Yeah, we'll close this conversation down. We'll go to Marauders, or what I've said is Marauders Two, because when it's two of us, there doesn't seem to be a time limit on Zoom for us. No, so that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we'll use Marauders Two as our Nexus Nights Season One okay. recap. I, I haven't really put any research into that. I've just figured it's just a general discussion. Did we like the first season? Was it fun? Um, because you know we're not looking necessarily at the history of the show. We're looking just at yeah. our opinions and, and did we enjoy it and all that sort of thing. Did it live up to uh, your uh, season one? Uh, theory on it does it hold up as a season that sort of thing um, okay. so yeah so there we cool. go right oh let's get back into this this has been fun right um space time the ever-expanding frontier these are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the star trek franchise ever its mission to locate every second contemplate every eon from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Temple Trek podcast. We are in Chronodate Season 3, Episode 32 and Season 2, Episode 6 of Enterprise, Marauders, a.k.a. The Magnificent Four, a.k.a. It's a Miner's Life. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> I am Dan, one of your hosts, and... And Dan, you have a host. Dan, Dan. Dan, Dan. Dan, Dan. <laughs> I've got that little jingle. I don't know if you heard it in the other. I shows. heard, yeah, 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 yeah. I've got, I've got the. Um, oh God, it's the the Law and Order one, and then we've got a Netflix one coming up. I think at some point as well. So we've got two to choose from whenever we want. <laughs> uh, but how are you, Dan? It's been a while. I'm good, thank you. Yes, it has. A, yeah. yeah, I wasn't able to make a couple, so um, yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to them. Actually, it's uh, <laughs> quite interesting to listen to the ones without me. <laughs> you yes. were missed you were missed there were quite a few <laughs> times where i would be going through my notes it's like oh i know dan would have had a point about this so i just want to speak so I, i've sort of spoke for you but i don't oh, want right, to say okay. that i'm speaking for you <laughs> yeah oh i look at that yeah. i'd yeah. like to see what you what you think i would think <laughs> i think it's uh I, I tried to point out any art that i saw in the rooms i think if if yeah. memory serves so uh, that might be in the episode i think it's in the edit so there we go cool well we've got marauders uh yeah. Is this one that's stuck in the memory banks? Is this one you always remember? Um, yes, I sort of do, actually. I don't know why, but I remember this one, yeah. not. I can't say I remember it overly fondly, <laughs> but for some reason, it definitely. I definitely do remember it, yeah. yeah. This this one's got a sort of uh, an overinflated um, a part of my memory devoted to it. I seem to remember this one really well. But I right. seem to I remember the episode as being a bit more action packed than what it actually was. Hmm. I seem I seem to think that the that the ruse that actually happens in the episode, for in my memory, seem to be more of the episode. Whereas in right, this yes. rewatch, yeah. it's what five minutes. Um, yep. we, we spend more time on the montage sequence, getting to the the ruse than actually anything else. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know why, but this concept, this this way of uh, writing an episode, this story is one of my favourites. It's one of those things that I, I'm a sucker for. You know, the okay. the heroes ride into town. There's the poor put upon town, being bullied. 
and that they set up traps and then they, they you know they defeat it one of my favorite comedy movies from the 80s is the three amigos which of course is set around the Magnificent Seven, which is of course the Seven Samurai and yep. so on and so on and so on. I'm just a sucker. I don't know why I like the concept. However, saying that, <laughs> <laughs> this episode is not one of my favourites. <laughs> Rewatching it, I think I've, I've enjoyed it less because there's just not much there. I, and yeah. we'll, we'll probably discuss this as we go through, but um, yeah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Um, I might be editing in a few Three Amigos clips or Bugs Life clips <laughs> or whatever, whatever thing I could think of. Was a bug, little bug, hardly there. But we open at zero minutes, zero seconds as the shuttle arrives and the shanty town, we sort of get some you know, shots of what it looks like, everything like this. Kind of reminded me of the opening to Insurrection. You know, when you see the Baku village and yes. we're just sort of getting to see the serene life of living in this mining town that's a bit dusty and a bit rustic. And then the shuttle turn up, turns up and yep. they, say, they say, is it them? Now, considering the bullies turn up by transporter yes. later <laughs> on in the episode, is that a dumb question? <laughs> yes, it did occur to me, yes. What also occurred to me, actually, was how expensive this episode probably was to make. Mm. Because they built a whole sort of town is obviously on uh, location. So they must have put a fair bit into this, but maybe they could have diverted the funds elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, they could have had a few more bottle episodes, maybe, just on the ship, just to you know, beef it up a bit more. Um, but that's it. That's the opening credits. There's really nothing juicy or meaty to it there's a shuttle and there's a, a town that seemed worried that people are turning up but there's not really much to discuss at that point uh we open up after the credits and they're in the desert fatigues they get out of the shuttle pod out comes archer out comes trip oh yeah we've seen those uniforms before hang on a minute what's to wearing um you had some comments about uh to paul's wardrobe <laughs> well yeah i mean it's possibly the most inappropriate color certainly Mm -hmm. you could think of i mean they yep. must have you know they've scanned their their tanks and stuff they must have known <laughs> that it was a sort of desert or dusty sort of area mm -hmm. yeah and then she wears this sort of bright white outfit for, for no apparent reason really I don't, know, I don't know where that's come from nope i was thinking yeah. you know is it white because reflective so it's cools the wearer but even that if you think about it she's a vulcan she's used yeah. to hot temperatures she wouldn't yeah. need that if anything, that's a more adaptive climate to her um, yeah. DNA than anyone else. So she could just get away with wearing what she normally wears. It's almost like the writers and producers want to see her in skin-tight outfits. So I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. There's no reason to think that. I don't think we've no. seen anything previously that would suggest that they, they would do that sort of thing. I mean, how, how dare I suggest there might be something exploitative about this show? I said you're a liar. I said you're a coward and a liar. Um, <laughs> we find out that the Kratassans, um, a little referral back yes. to a couple of episodes ago, the Kratassans uh, told them about this facility uh, and that um, uh, they took some damage and they lost some of their deuterium supplies, which seemed a bit weird because we haven't really seen them lose deuterium. That hasn't been mentioned. They, look, they lost some warp plasma paying off the dead stop station, yep. 
but there was no mention of loss of deuterium or anything like that and we haven't seen anything since that episode to suggest it so there's a missing mission somewhere maybe something a little bit more interesting going on that we should have seen <laughs> do you think the Cretassins would have been really offended by this base is there anything like how did the Cretassins sort of know about this place and it's it's filthy it's dusty there's not a tree in sight well, it's a, it was a Cretacean merchant, wasn't it? It wasn't oh. the Cretacean sort of government. Oh, so maybe. maybe he's he's sort of a bit rogue. He's not quite as easily offended as, as <laughs> other Cretaceans. And that's why he's able to to manage to, to talk to them. So the amenable Cretacean, is that a short trek we should be uh, hoping to Absolutely, see? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, he's along the long road. He's sort of learned how to be a little less offended by life. Yeah. I like that. Plunder! Plunder! Ruined the uh, hedges. Hedges of many small villages. Of many small villages. Who the hell are you? They scanned their tanks, as you mentioned. Like they've they've taken the the time, and they seem quite upset about that. You scanned our tanks, yeah. like you did that from orbit. Uh, I can't really see why, other than that they've got that problem that they're hiding. Mm. And you know they want to make. I think they sort of want to make out that they haven't got any. Mm. reserves at the moment and then of course they said well actually you've got eighty thousand liters or whatever it is they say mm. and they're like oh um <laughs> <laughs> damn it they're gonna stay yeah. now aren't they yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they said they only want uh, you know 200 liters so it really i mean realistically even if they were being bullied and all this sort of thing paying yeah. them off with 200 liters when they've got these huge reserves yeah it's not going to make a dent you know the when the klingons show up um, yeah. is 200 litres really going to make a difference considering they're already behind the quota anyway? Yeah. Um, they could have paid them yeah. off and got them out of their hair really quickly. Uh, which, uh, the design of the aliens, the hair the hair yeah. tubules that come out the forehead. Yeah. Um, did you like it? Did it make sense? Yeah. Um, is it just another um, bit of plastic? Just, yeah, a bit of plastic in there, a bit of plastic head. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I did like the idea that um, yeah, they've asked Trip to help them out with these pumps, but he's not like an, an expert about it. And previously, in a couple of episodes so far, we've had a few references to them mining resources themselves. So yes. I'm wondering, why didn't they just get the miners from on board the Enterprise? Because clearly there must be a skill set on there. Is Lieutenant yep. Hess, you know, really should be in this episode? <laughs> Is it another thing? Give Lieutenant Hess something to do. You've, you've got to let this go, man. You've got to let it go. <laughs> I want to see how long I can keep Lieutenant Hess. Even when we get to TNG, maybe Lieutenant Hess is still there. She just serves. <laughs> it's like a tradition. She serves on every enterprise, and that's it. <laughs> uh, Trip goes back to the shuttle, and we get yes. the kid. Uh, your thoughts on the kid? I well, you you mentioned um, insurrection, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And we have a um, another cute kid. I have an issue with cute kids in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just oh god yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't know I, I can't what's the word I'm looking for I can't sort of bring any more to it I just it's just <laughs> oh cute kid in Star Trek oh god yeah I can't I'm trying to think of other examples but um, certainly Insurrection was the one that sprung to mind it's it's um, certainly a trope that it grates when it's done poorly when yeah. there's a really good child actor and they they step up and they do really well and there's a couple that I think in uh, one of my favourite seasons of Star Trek, which is season three of uh, TNG. And there's like, three episodes, I think, come to mind where there's like child actors involved and I really mm. enjoy their performances. But Jeremy Astor is one of my favourites. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Episodes. Uh, but uh, yeah, this kid, it's just, you know, he's a bit overly cutesy. Trip yep. is too eager to sort of impress yep. him. 
yeah. not not a traitor. You know, he is. You know, he's a bit boastful about his ship and says it's yeah. really really cool. It will knock your socks off and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, okay, I like that. But you know, yeah, yeah, yeah it's just grating, isn't it? But again, <laughs> this story, this this archetype story, in every single one, there's always the cute kid who befriends yeah. the hero and he's the innocence and things like this. So you kind of need it, but you kind of need a better kid or a better actor, I guess, to to be part of that. Can I have your watch when you are dead? What did he say? <laughs> Archer and Topol go into the tent and they're going to sort of argue, yep. you know, can we get more refined materials? Um, you know, it takes three months to refine this and all this sort of stuff. This is the weirdest thing. So I'm sort of stepping outside the episode, almost like okay. our history pause that we used to do back in the old days on the show. Um, deuterium. It's uh, an isotope. It's an isotope of hydrogen. Hydrogen is one of the most common elements in the universe. And uh, it was able to be made in the 1930s, which you'd think that an advanced starship like the Enterprise would probably be able to make for itself, maybe? Mm. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. It, I mean, does it make sense that they're so eager for something that is so readily available in the universe? But I think you would like your other presents too. I have put many beautiful piñatas in the storeroom, each of them filled with little surprises. Many piñatas? Oh, yes, many! Would you say I have a plethora of piñatas? A what? A plethora. Oh, yes. <laughs> you have a plethora. Jefe, what is a plethora? Why, guapo? Well, you told me I have a plethora. And I just would like to know if you know what a plethora is. I would not like to think that a person would tell someone he has a plethora and find out that that person has no idea what it means to have a plethora. Um, no, I, I didn't realise that, to be honest with you. But no, you're right. I mean, that's really bizarre, isn't it? Because you'd think they'd have some kind of scoop or something on the, on the ship. Uh-huh. Pick it up. A ram scoop, perhaps. I, well, absolutely, exactly. Yeah. You know, because um, if... Deuterium, I think, isn't it right that he's going off piece a little bit for my my um, <laughs> my long long ago chemistry A level? But there would be a certain in in the hydrogen that you find there would be a, a, a certain amount of the isotope mm-hmm. naturally occurring, you know. So yeah, so they'd be able to sort of you know scoop it up and 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 sort of take out the deuterium and leave the hydrogen, put sort of chuck it back out again. Yeah. So yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, go go and find Archer's comet again that we saw months yes. and months ago. You know, mine that it's got clearly all of the heavy elements that they needed, and then you turn it into you know something you need for the nuclear reaction inside the the warp core. Blah 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 blah. It it seems odd that they're putting so much effort into finding it when it's so readily available, or the Enterprise should be installed with something that could make it readily available. Um, so it seems a, a bit of a short sightedness in the in the design of the Enterprise. They can't do it for itself. So yeah, I, I think I. For me, I would have wanted something less common than deuterium, something even yes. more unlikely to find. Um, uh, or even if it was just food stores and they were farmers. Mm. You know, um, yeah. explosive methane, you could still have the explosive element of that, you know, the res- resolution to the Klingons um, quite easily. <clears throat> you know, ignite the methane. That'd be great. Yep. Um, but there we go. Medical supplies are the thing that they're going to trade with. And we go to Flux and we get a nice little Flux scene. Yep. Um, any thoughts on the Flux scene and sort of how he's sort of working out things aren't quite what they seem? Yeah, I mean, it, it, as much as I love Flux, it's quite a stock Flux scene, mm-hmm. really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's it's Flux all over, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, you know, again, as much as quite often I sort of 
celebrate Fox bringing something extra to the episode. I'm not sure he did really this time. It was, you know, yeah, it was very much sort of, as you say, he sort of spots things going on. But then Flox always does, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the most observant man in the room. Although yeah. we did see uh, with last week uh, in Night in Sick Bay, um, his observations were a bit weird. Uh, his psychology degree was something we wanted to question yeah, because yeah. he seemed to be implanting suggestions in Archer's head. <laughs> at, le- at least this week, we, he's back on form this week. So yeah. he's just, you know, he's pointing out or or trying to get them to confess to what's going on because he gives them yeah. this auto suture and things like that, yeah. which again is another callback to last week. The auto suture that was just used on pickled Porthos yes. is being used um, <laughs> this time. Archer is confused by the rustic nature of what they've got. You know, deuterium yeah. should be, um, you know, it's widely sought after as a commodity. Again, seems really odd considering most Archers yeah. should be able to do it themselves, but there we go. Um, it's believable though for me that the Klingons wouldn't mine it themselves, that they'd want other people mm. to do it. The menial stuff, you know, the warriors yes. want to be the warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there are people in the universe who do it for you. Um, yeah. It just seemed odd that why did Enterprise need to? Because the, being an exploration ship, they should know what they need and they would have the yeah. technology to do it. But there we go. Um, speaking of technology, we're back on the bridge. Travis has something to do. He's the first to detect the Klingons. Woo! Um, I haven't quite made a, a, a little jingle yet. I need to figure out a way of making a give Travis something to do. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but at the long range, at long distance, they are able to scan mm. bio signs, how yes. many Klingons are on board, where yep. they are and how fast they're coming in and yep. um uh, malcolm didn't even get an alert on that one so pretty good for travis he spotted them for straight off um their technology seems to be way in advance in terms of sensors than the klingons now yes, i, mean, I was going to say that it's yeah. a klingon freighter but still you'd think that they'd be all leveled up to the same thing um any thoughts on that well yeah i agree i mean i think I, i'm not sure if this happened straight away but the bit about has the um they had the Klingons um spotted you yet. Mm. It seems very unlikely that the Enterprise is able to do that and, and the Klingons wouldn't have spotted us at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that that yeah, I, I did think that. <laughs> yeah. Because you you think like Klingons, yeah, they might divert research to more towards weaponry and defense. Yeah. But you know, sensors would be a good defense. Well, really you know, important, able, yeah. Detect yeah. your enemy. Basic one oh one. Um, so, but yeah, very strange. I was wondering if they were going to do like a hide behind the moon trick, you know, that they always like to do and, and mask your warp signature and all that kind of yeah. stuff, but they didn't, they just sort of said, no. go to the other side of the planet. Yeah. There we go. Um, Colroth's ship, uh, is in orbit and we get the first visit. Uh, we get, yes. uh, the, we learn more about this exclusive arrangement that you're only supposed to be trading with us and, uh, the Klingon freighters, they beam down again. Why did they ask about the shuttle in the first place? And T'Pol is listening in. I like that T'Pol is able to hear them from far off and she's sort of picking up that there's this supply issue. Uh, bullies. Archer doesn't like bullies. He doesn't. Uh, any thoughts on, uh, Archer's character? Does it sit well? Is it still like something we're still learning about him? Have we seen this before? Um, I think we've seen it before. I couldn't pinpoint when we've seen it before, but I've, I have a feeling that, yes, we have. I think some of his reaction to the uh, Sudaban mm. is sort of, sort of that sort of thing as well. And um, and I guess we've detained as well. Yes. You know, you, you know so, yeah, I think that, that fits really perfectly in with his what we've already seen, definitely, yeah. So that, that I have no issue with that. That's not a, a weird um, Archer reaction <laughs> just for the week. It, yeah. it's pretty yeah. consistent that so 
It's not like last week where he just flew off the handle for no good reason, other than being tired. Um, yeah, yeah. It for me, yeah, it sat quite well, and it kind of feels like a development of the Papa Archer. You know, the, the one thing that we have seen is that he's great with the crew. He's not necessarily a great starship captain yet, but mm. the one consistent thing is he doesn't like bullies and he likes to protect yeah. people. Um, yeah. So there, there is that element, of, and it's one tiny little slither of a character that seems to be consistent as he's going through. Yes. Whether that might change in seasons to come, I don't know. But there we go. They go. The Klingons leave. Why? Hmm. Like, why didn't they just stay and force them to work at bat left, you know, length? Um, it, it just seemed odd why they had to leave. Yeah, although I sort of, I can also see that because they probably go back to their ship. You know, they've got some gark to eat, and you know, <laughs> they got to got to feed the. Um, the washers names the uh targs and stuff you know and they've got klingon stuff to do and they <laughs> whatever it is they Klingon do yeah yeah i mean beating me back up to the ship and staying in orbit that made sense but they left completely they left the system completely i wondered if maybe they've got other bullying to do you know the, they've got yeah. bully tessic this week uh then they've got yeah. like a very busy schedule uh you know tomorrow we're going to go and bully that crutassa merchant that we just passed yeah. by uh he was terribly offended by us uh spitting in his face and eating targ but there we go um yeah it just seemed odd that there was no real reason for them to leave orbit and no, I, was wondering, wasn't, no. I was wondering if they missed a trick you know, should they have maybe played some cat and mouse with Enterprise and Enterprise mm. was going to lead them away, or leaving Archer on the planet and then they have to mm. devise a solution, that sort of thing. Um, and it might have been, a, again, a fun thing for Travis to do. Oh, like, these are the tricks I learned, you know, back on the on the, the freight era, like how we avoid marauders and sensor ghosts or, you know, making stuff up, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, it just felt like they missed a trick there. Yes. Yeah, again, I mean, I think it's, it's sort of indicative of this episode. I think there's, you know, a bit like the sensors, um, you know, it's, it's all a bit loose. It's all a bit sort of, they haven't really felt like they've made the effort to really think out, you know, the, the motivations and, and stuff of the, of the characters at all. You know, I mean, as you say, I mean, maybe you're, maybe you're right. Maybe they've got other people to go and bother, but you know, why would you, why would you leave orbit really? Yeah. And it, for the sake of a few days that they'd said, you know, where are they going to go for a few days? Um, yeah, Sit back off to Risa, stay there for about two days and two nights and then come back. I, I don't know. Maybe they're very well rested. They come back with like perfect like skin and everything and all tangled and all proper. Um, uh, the kid has like well, that, that annoying line, but you kind of need it. You know, why couldn't you have stayed? You could afford them. You could have beat them. Uh, but it was one. It was one of those lines. The delivery of the line just, I don't know, kind of grates on me. I, I don't want to hold anything against a kid actor, but it's still. You could have beat them. You didn't even try. You didn't even try, man. Uh, <laughs> it's just over the. I'm top. not sure it's the kid's fault, really. Mm. The actor's fault. I think it's just again, you know, it's indicative of this episode. It's, it's all a bit. Just you know, it's not really thought out. Mm. It's very basic. It's very it's, basic. yeah you know that's the obvious thing for him to say sort of thing and so they haven't even bothered to to sort of try to make it more interesting or or sort of you know whatever it might be they've just mm. gone oh he's gonna he's gonna be upset that they're going can't you help us sort of thing you know it, it did seem that this was the scene where i felt like it was the wrong character to befriend the kid i kind of felt mm. like it should have been archer because mm. the kids lost his dad archer yes. 
as obviously you know, his father was the one held back by the Vulcans. You know, you've got you could have had a really interesting discussion mm. about, you know, my dad was killed. Well, my dad was held back by aliens. And, yeah. and you know, that that's his emotional reason for wanting to stand up for them, mm. not necessarily just because he doesn't like bullies, which, again, yeah. seems like a very basic, basic motivation. Mm. He, you know, he might have been more empathetic, empathetic to the kid if he had a genuine reason uh, to be that way. Whereas Trip, I could have seen maybe befriending the engineers and then he wants yeah. to stand up for the engineers and like, everybody had their own thing. Um, maybe to poll, um, we don't actually learn the the female character's name, like the the doctor really? lady. We don't actually get her name spoken at all in the entire episode. But how to Paul could have then related to her, you know, yeah. having to deal with all this kind of stuff. And speaking of that, we go to the scene in Archer's ready room where Archer sort of tries to do his best, saying, you know, we've saved the Klingons, we saved Clang, we pulled them out of a gas giant, they owe us a favor. And to Paul is quite rightly saying, well, do you really yeah. think they? They listen to the High Council. They seem to be rogue uh, agents. They're, they're freighter guys. They, they live on the edge of the Empire. They're not necessarily um, going to listen to the High Council, even if we did do anything. Um, there's a bit of creepy trek in this for me, and I don't know whether it's intentional or I'm just seeing too much, but there was a lingering shot from behind to pole where it's her fully standing with the butt straight on the camera. And it lingers on that shot for literally no reason whatsoever. It's Archer's talking and she's standing there, not saying anything with her back turned. And I, it kind of felt like that was creepy Trek coming in there. Um, any thoughts on on just that scene, the, the convincing of T'Pol, but she actually doesn't need convincing. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, the thing that makes me sort of laugh about that is that um, to, uh, Archer thinking that the Klingon High Council are going to be even <laughs> remotely interested anyway, you know. Clearly, lack of understanding of the Klingons totally. <laughs> no, there's no way. Even if he went there, you know, and said, "Oh, we did you this favor." We did, you know, they were like, you know, the Klingons would not be interested. Mm. Because considering all the reading he did in uh, Sleeping Dogs, uh, mm. he could maybe make the argument, "Oh, they're picking on a weaker opponent, and that's dishonorable." Maybe mm. the Klingon High Council would want to know that. You know, maybe mm. that's yeah, the maybe. argument he could have made. Yeah. But again that's a slightly more than basic understanding of what the episode should be. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Archer and Tessic. So Archer still can't sleep on this decision to says She agrees with him that maybe we should yep. stand up for these people. And I like that. I like that. She actually yep. has a, a moral reason to come across. Um, Archer and Tessic working on the machine, uh, the, the whole teacher man to fish thing. Yeah. I, this seemed a really odd argument to bring up. I, I can understand where they were going in the writing, but it kind of feels like the gazelle story in shockwave. Like, where did this come from? Like mm. you, you could have easily made the argument he does later in the episode that we came under fire. I need to stand up to bullies. And I think that would have convinced Tessic more than the teach the man to fish yeah. story. Yeah. That, that felt very odd because it didn't quite fit in with the, the situation. I didn't think, mm. um, you know, yeah, it, it's, yeah, that was odd. I noticed that. Yeah. Cause you know, Tessic has a real reason to not stand up to them. Uh, you know, half their town were killed in yep. the first attempt to try and stop the bullies from coming back. Um, teach a man to fish. Well, the fish don't always fight the fishermen, so they don't bite back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just didn't quite fit to me. Yeah. Whereas the Sulaban argument later on, once mm. they've actually gone along with the plan, that yep. made total sense to me. And if that had been the initial argument to push Tessic over the edge... Um, I think that would have convinced him more as a character. Yeah. Al Guapo is on his way. 
Someday the people of this village will have to face El Wapo. We might as well do it now. In a way, all of us have an El Guapo to face someday. For some, shyness might be their El Guapo. For others, a lack of education might be their El Guapo. For us, El Guapo is a big dangerous guy who wants to kill us. But as sure as my name is Lucky Day, the people of Santa Poco can conquer their own personal El Guapo, who also happens to be the actual El Guapo. We want to defend ourselves. But how? By using the skills and the talents of the people of Santa Poco. This is not a town of weaklings. You can turn your skills against El Guapo. Now, what is it that this town really does well? We can sew. There you go, you can sew. Ah. If only we had known this earlier. Ned, Dusty, sewing. Yeah. Uh, but it does work. And Malcolm gets to be brought in as the weapon specialist and say, oh, with some modifications, we can definitely do this. Malcolm gets to shoot some stuff this week. Uh, he gets to live up to it. Again, I don't have a jingle for this. Uh, any, listeners, <laughs> any listeners who are way better than jingles than I am, uh, you know, uh, Malcolm gets to shoot something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> go, go hog wild have some fun uh you know some uh, british music in the background i don't know yes. um but you we're starting to get the idea of this plan and this comes back to this idea of sensors and how unadvanced the klingons are in the sensors mm. field to beam down surely you'd need more than just a visual confirmation of where you're beaming down to how do you not know that the town has moved three meters to the left well absolutely i agree with you yeah, I thought, in fact, you know what? It's funny because I actually thought that the first time I watched it, mm. it was like you'd have coordinates, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, so yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, again, you know, it's sort of lazy writing, really, isn't it? Or it's at least it's it's doing something for the story and not worrying about the reality of it mm. because, you know, they would, they'd have a set, set of coordinates that they use every time and that's what they'd do. Yeah. They wouldn't even, as you say, they wouldn't scan the planet to make sure it's still there or anything. No. Nope. And and the only, I mean, I guess the only out for that is the fact that he says at one point when when they're moving the stuff about the fact that the, the, the mines run out every sort of three or four years. So maybe, They've maybe, moved. maybe yeah. you could, you know, that's, that's the only sort of, you know, you could maybe get away with that, but it, it's, it's, unlikely if you ask me yeah if they were so, going to yeah. move why did they just move three meters over like is where's the, how is the vein suddenly moved yeah. of the deuterium uh, yeah. just to three meters yeah that's true it uh, it just bothered me and it, it's yeah. i remember it bothering me the very first time i watched yeah. it back in 2001 and it still bothers me today and i don't know why. it seems such a petty thing to get bothered by but it really gets in my goat like it doesn't make any sense if no. they were if they were marauders you know riding in over the hills on horseback and they come through and the town sort of moved. Um, yeah. Maybe you could say that they hadn't quite worked it out or, you know, they're, they're dumb bullies, you know, that kind of thing. So they haven't yeah. really thought it through. But these are smart Klingons because he does actually figure out the ruse just by looking yep. around and sort of seeing there's something wrong. Uh, the pumps are quiet and all this sort of thing. Yep. But um, they didn't figure out to maybe just check the coordinates. Why did you beam us down yep. here? You know, Jeff, the Klingon back on the, the Klingon ship who's the transporter chief is going to get fired or a mech left to the throat. Um, but we get our first sort of mini montage as they are training mm. up the weapons fire. Yes. Um, 
we get holograms coming back and we get yeah. Hoshi actually teaching them better than Reed can. Any thoughts? Well, yes, I, I like that bit, actually. That's one of the highlights of the episode. <laughs> Just that, that again, we're seeing that newfound, or not so much newfound now, but certainly that that confidence that she didn't start with, that mm. she's got. You know, and I, I really quite like that, actually. Just mm. stepped in and took over from Malcolm. You could imagine Malcolm just sort of, sort of slightly um, vibrating in the background. You know, <laughs> yeah. in a very she's, British way. You know, yeah, she's a better teacher than I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go field strip a, a titanium missile now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was a nice little sort, another nod to Hoshi's progress because yes. she was manning the bridge. She took the Kratasan's call, and she was even yep. able to catch a bat in midair pretty good there um no fear whatsoever um in some of the other episodes are even in shockwave admittedly i you haven't heard the episode yet because he hasn't come out as we're recording this but um uh i had my troubles with uh hoshi's scene where they rip her top off uh but, oh, yes, at, le- yeah. but at least she had the mission to save the crew by climbing yeah. through everything so again it's hoshi's progress getting over her uh, uh, claustrophobia and so forth and again it's another one she knows how to use the rifles she's learning she's able to then impart that knowledge to other people and i really enjoyed that progress yes yeah. it's one thing that they've done right for the character yep definitely i agree um trip and archer they have a little discussion about how this plan's a long shot bit late now trip isn't it i mean it's two two days again not not a traitorid but i mean come on speak up man you have no problem shouting your mouth off every other week but this week you waited two days to point out that the plan might be a bit of a long shot (laughs) he's not doing any better i mean the traitorid may be coming out less and less as the episodes go on but he's not making it easy for me i have to say (laughs) Um, to Paul and Travis, Tra- uh, Travis has something to do. Uh, as they go and the drinkle back, <laughs> but this time he's waving a bat at uh, to Paul yes. as, <laughs> as she demonstrates Susmanar and yes. the evasive technique. Or she rolled away. <laughs> I really liked what I liked about that was what she said at the beginning. She said, um, "There's no way I could teach you this because it takes years to you know you, you're never going to be able to do this, but we can show you this little tiny thing, and of course." <laughs> That was obviously going to be like shown later on, and it was yep. just like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's like it takes years to mark that rolling yeah. away. Just, yeah. yeah, and we even gave it a special name, Navacut. So I really want to know that like, Navacut does that mean roll away? And that's that's <laughs> literally the Vulcan translation. <laughs> um, I, I like the idea that when the Susmanar was being built up, that it was literally just a Vulcan going, "What's the most obvious things I can say? Roll away." Uh, hit someone when they hit you back, uh, all this kind of stuff. And uh, that is Seuss Minar. I don't know. But it's a nice call forward. And now we normally have call backwards, but a call forward. And we will see Seuss Minar again when we get to Discovery. A uh, very beginning oh, of yes. Discovery as uh, yes. as Burnham gets to use it in the mess deck. Yes. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing Seuss Minar coming mm. back. Um, I don't think we ever see it again in Enterprise, do we? This is the only reference to it. I would. I'm going to say yes. You're right. With the caveat that I haven't watched enough again to <laughs> to say yes. But I guess the only place maybe might be in the um, season. Is it season four? The um, yeah, the Vulcan yeah. arc. Maybe we might see it there somewhere. I guess, but I that can't think of anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe in the forge or something. She um, mm. she rolls away again. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Trip and the kids get another scene. Um, the kid wants to fight. Ah. Uh, 
Malcolm's got this rule. You've got to be taller than the gun to use it. There is no way he made that rule up. Like, Malcolm, I, I'm pretty sure Malcolm's opinion would be, can you shoot the gun? Yeah, you can use it. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. Start on young, says Malcolm. Stop lying to the kid, Trip. That's all I'm saying. Yep. <laughs> um, and now we get the proper montage sequence. You know, this yeah. is, you know, this is Rocky. This yes. is... This is the scene you get in all of these stories, whether it's Bugs Life, whether it's Three Amigos, whether it's Magnificent Seven uh, and so on, where you just see the progress going up and up. They're suddenly able to hit the targets more with their guns. They can move the pipes. Um, you know, there's a, a slow panning shot of the of the uh, horizon as the sun is setting and they're, they're setting up more and more. Um, Archer and Tessic are in the tent and uh, he's cleaning the gun. And now we get that convincing argument you know three days out we were in a firefight with the Sulaban. this isn't yeah. what i signed up for um again it kind of felt like this was a bit too late like this mm. could have helped tip mm. the balance for tessic uh but any thoughts on the scene did, did it make sense um yeah it made sense i suppose but what what struck me i was watching it last night actually and um there's a bit where he says something about I got shot in the leg, and just before I I um, passed out, I thought this isn't fair or something. Mm. And I thought actually, you probably thought, "Ow!" <laughs> That's what you were thinking at the time. You were thinking, "Ow! Someone shot me leg." <laughs> you shot me in the leg. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's only a flesh wound. <laughs> and, and we also saw that scene, and we actually saw that it was a flashback to him playing around with his his ships. So maybe it would have been nice to have had a moment where he's like, "I was thinking back to being a child." and how I didn't like being bullied then and all this sort of stuff. So I thought maybe that might have been a more convincing mm. argument. But speaking of convincing arguments, again, did they get the wrong character here? And should it have been Travis relaying some stories about how his family had to fight off pirates, marauders, mm. Norsecans? Yeah. Should Travis have actually played a bigger role in the defence of this colony? That's really interesting because you're right. He, he does sort of fit, you know, they're out, they're out on the on the edge of sort of, out of where, the edge of um, space somewhere, they're sort of alone. They're, they're having to make their own way and stuff. So, yeah, maybe you're right, actually, yeah. That would have made much more sense and it would have been more sort of rounded, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. But then that would meant Trevor would have had something to do. And yeah. That might have not, you know, I don't know what his contract was like, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, there's an agent somewhere who's like, you know, getting, getting earful for the amount of times it should have been Travis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just made sense because there's so many times in previous episodes where he's mentioned, oh, uh, those are Norsicans. They they used to raid on us and pick on us all the time. Mm. Well, that would have been a great story for Tessic to hear, yeah. how they stood up to them and how they you know launched yeah. their guns. They weren't fighters, but they had to. And yeah. again, it just felt like every character was in the wrong position in this episode. Mm. There are lots mm. of characters had something to do. Um, all right, Phlox had the stock one scene and then that was it. But it kind of felt like they were all the wrong positions, all the wrong places yeah. for these characters. Yeah. Uh, but this is where we get the action sequence or inaction sequence, because it, <laughs> I don't know about you, but it felt so stilted. <laughs> yes. The fight scenes were just so stagey, like, Ooh, Ooh. You know, they mentioned earlier, you know, you've never seen a Klingon in battle. Yes. You outnumber them like 10 to one. And it's yeah. like, Oh yeah, they could kill us all. No, they couldn't. They could barely swing their swords. What's going on? Well, you're right. There was a couple of bits. There were a couple of bits that struck me. There was a bit where the woman stood up and threw a rock. <laughs> it was just like, oh, really? That's so bad. Why did you shoot the dude? You know. Yeah. And then the other bit where where Archer 
sort of has this puny little stick and smacks him in the head and knocks him out. Sorry. <laughs> what? You think you know it already? Well, can't we do something else for a change? Like someone who attacks you with a pointed stick. Pointed sticks? <laughs> oh, 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 we want to learn how to defend ourselves against pointed sticks, do we? What have you got? A pointed stick. Oh, no. <laughs> exactly, oh. yeah. <laughs> Who throws a shoe? Oh. <laughs> oh it, and they, they got taken out by a, a tripwire that was thicker, yeah. thicker than yeah. my arm. <laughs> it's not even like some sci-fi like string thing that's like almost invisible to the naked eye that can cut a man in half. You know, that would have been believable. But the fact that it's almost bigger than a rope, <laughs> thicker than a rope, and they trip him up with it. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't take it to the feet. He takes it fully yeah. to the chest, so it yeah, raised up absolutely. with yeah. enough time for him to walk yeah. into it. Oh, <laughs> blimey! Just uh, to pole got dressed out of her a tighty whitey. Yes, Rambo yes, to pole. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I forgot about that bit, but you're right. And Where I think um, Trip does the same thing. Doesn't he? He's like in his camo gear. <laughs> This, this is the episode. I think this is the episode I was thinking of. Remember when in Desert Crossing, and I was mm. thinking that there was a, a an episode where ah, yes. they went down. I think this is what my brain was trying to tell me that this is the other episode, and it's just as bad. Like yeah. it doesn't make it's, any sense. No, <laughs> especially as the, the the landscape is yellow and they're in green. Yeah, you know, they, they, she's better off wearing the white thing and just chucking a load of sand on it. <laughs> That would be the better, you know, that would be the solution. Although she got hills, I think, with the other one. So maybe yes. that's what it is. Very true. Maybe she put her trainers on or her boots or something. That was the first time in this episode. Again, back in that shot where it was just on her back, there is a moment where it's on her side and you do mm. see the thickness of those Vulcan yeah. heels. And it does make me think, why is a Vulcan wearing heels? Why isn't she in some flat, comfortable shoes? That doesn't yeah. seem very Vulcan to be wearing high yeah. heels. But there we go. Um yeah, but Rambo to pole. Um, <laughs> oh, she does that bit as well. She does a bit of uh, karate, doesn't she? And, oh, roundhouse oh, kicking. That was hysterical, that was. That was so bad. <laughs> so slow. And yeah. I, I want, you know, if they put in, you know, you remember the old uh, uh, $60 million man? And mm. when he's moving, like, fast, oh, yeah. yeah, actually slow it down. That would have been really cool. <laughs> Like yeah. you know, the Vulcans are so fast and so strong that she's sort of like punching faster than he can see. And she kicks him in the stomach. That would have been much more believable to me than seeing this uh, uh, lumbering yeah. Vulcan coming towards her. And she just kicks him in the stomach. That's it. That's all she does. So um, if Navakar is roll away, kick to yes. the stomach is uh, Navakeen. And we'll yes. just keep going. And it's just kick them in the stomach, roll away. That's <laughs> Seuss Manar. Oh, God. It's just... It's terrible. It really is terrible. Just <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? As an action sequence, it loses any kind of tension whatsoever. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the Klingons kind of get wind of what's going on, and they realise that the hills are in the wrong place. Hang on a minute, something's wrong. So they start coming up to them, and then they move to the side, trying to draw yes. the Klingons over. It's like why? One, why did they follow them in a straight line and then yes. go sideways and up? I don't know. Two, the Klingons. The most effective warriors in the galaxy, as far as we know at this point in history, throw their weapons to the ground. Yeah, yeah. And walk away from them. Yeah. Why? <laughs> uh, and the other thing is, I mean, I know they say earlier in the episode that they, they like to use the bat left and stuff. Mm -hmm. But if I was the Klingon there, I'd be shooting people. Yeah, yeah. 
That's what I'll be doing. They're all crawling along with their heads, you know, half their body above the thing. <laughs> you know, it's not like, you know, they're, they're sort of, they can't see them or anything. They're just like, just sort of walking <laughs> along, you know. And um, yeah, I would be shooting them at this point. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be a bit annoyed by this point. And I think, right, that's it. I'm just going to shoot them. <laughs> I would, you know, I would have expected maybe they made like scarecrows uh, with like targets on yeah. them and then moving yeah, them along, <laughs> like yeah. duck hunt style. Uh, just it, it made no sense whatsoever. I, I know that there is that scene where he tells his subordinate, "Don't shoot because you'll ignite the plasma." So don't use the guns inside the village. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they are clearly at least yeah you know, three feet away from the village. There is yeah. no no pipe between them and these dirt hills. Yeah. They can yeah. easily just shoot them without igniting anything. Yeah. I know. Or go the full Malcolm route, call up to the freighter. I'm pretty sure they must have at least one torpedo to bombard from orbit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, so we've had enough of these guys. We're just going to take yeah. the Zuturian. We'll go and bully someone else later. Yeah. Just shoot them from a orbit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know, maybe, all right, Jeff beamed them out in the wrong place. He's going to like take it out on him. And maybe he's also the weapons officer. You know, yeah. he's going to chew him out for it. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but Tessic comes to talk when they get caught in the fire ring. And and I kind of felt like it shouldn't have worked. Like there should have been a no. bit more danger. Like Tess, yeah. uh, you know, Tessic comes up, the Klingon is able, or the Klingon captain is able to jump out of the fire before it hits. Yeah. The rest of the crew is trapped, but it's yeah. now between the two of them. Yeah. Um, uh, it just kind of felt like it was over too easy. Like he's just yeah. standing there and we'll be ready. Well, we're going to obliterate you from orbit. We've got a massive <laughs> starship. Yeah, we'll come back tomorrow, and we'll just yeah. kill you all then. Yeah. We've we've seen uh, bioweapons. We've seen lots of different ways of attacking a colony without destroying what you need from it. Yeah. All right, the Klingons will just come back with smarter weapons next time. Yeah. You won't come back. Why not? You won't have any guns. Take them off right now and drop them. Generosity. That was my first mistake. I leave these people a little bit extra and they hire these men to make trouble. It shows you. Sooner or later, you must answer for every good deed. But it, this is the same problem we had with um, civilization. Hmm? There's no reason why they shouldn't just come back. I mean, yeah. what I would do if I was a Klingons, I'd come back at night. I'd beam down about, you know, half a mile away. Yep. Sort of walk in without them knowing you're there and then kill them all in their bed. <laughs> exactly. You know. <laughs> exactly. It, there is literally no reason that they <laughs> no. don't come back. And it's everything that Topol said, you know, what's to stop them from doing it? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. They nothing, are going to come exactly. back. Exactly. Nothing, yeah. They, they don't call the Vulcans to come in and check on up on them. We don't call the home world of this species to no. come and you know to sort that out no. there isn't a galactic police force at this point what are they going to do ah <laughs> oh, just weird um and i, I realize i suppose maybe they could move the town to a new point and then you know mine somewhere else but again the Klingons are just going to find them on the same planet of course yeah ah oh, dear um the last scenes are tripping the kid he gives him some schematics now this is my traitrid it's time you learned to weigh the possible repercussions of your actions. You've always been impulsive. We took a ride in a rowboat. and showed you to the nearest airlock. Maybe this will teach you a lesson. 
Okay. Surely that's classified information. And he's just left it on a planet that the Klingons are definitely coming back to. And yeah, now, the, and now the Klingons have a schematic of the Enterprise. Yeah. Any thoughts? You're right. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Perhaps it's not really a, it's like a dummy one. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, like those posters you get in the museums of all the different like ships and things like that. Yeah. His, okay, fair enough. All right, I'll get that. It's like, uh, don't look at the black squares. Those are the classified yeah. sections. You don't, you don't right, know yeah. what's going over there. It's all redacted. <laughs> Here's a ship. There's nothing on board. It's completely <laughs> empty. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, saying thanks, uh, the, the kid says thanks for those schematics. And the way that line is delivered, it kind of sounds like a kid who wanted an Xbox for Christmas and he kind of <laughs> just got, he just got Monopoly. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Oh. <laughs> you can't just take me away from these people, please. I don't want to be a minor for the rest of my life. Um, they get the 2,000 litres and everybody yep. leaves hopeful that the Klingons don't come back, but they blatantly yes. are coming back. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of the episode. Really quick on that one. Yes. Yeah. A- any other thoughts on yeah. the episode before we move on? No, I've got some thoughts, but I'm going to save them for our um, recommendations, etc. So Excellent. Yeah. Well, first criteria then is consequences. There's no timey-wimey stuff. Your analogy is very colourful, Captain, but I question whether it addresses the consequences. 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 The concept of learning from one's mistakes shouldn't be difficult for a Vulcan of your wisdom to understand, Ambassador. I don't wish to contradict Captain Archer. But learning from one's mistakes is hardly exclusive to humans. No, again, I mean, the only thing I suppose is they could have created a an antagonist with that yeah. Klingon ship, could have come back again and bothered them at some point. But, you know, I can't think of anything. Mm. Yeah, and we could have had that freighter captain coming back. I thought that maybe it should have been, and this will come into my next thing, but it should have been another Klingon we'd already seen and it could have mm. just furthered that relationship. Yeah. But I'll, I'll bring that up in the next uh, criteria. But yeah, I can't really see anything. Like defending the helpless, we've already had from other episodes. So it's not an yep. exclusive thing to this episode that Archer right. is is starting this idea that the Federation or Starfleet should stand for something higher and, and defending yep. people. Um, we don't really get anything from this episode other than maybe mind your own tutorium so you don't have to <laughs> stop off every yep. five seconds um yep. i can't really think of anything like we get susmanar but again that's yep. that is something that is a cultural thing that has always been there up to the point of this show uh, and yep. up to the point of enterprise and the nx01 and it will still be part of Vulcan culture for hundreds of years after at least so uh yeah there's nothing there's no consequence from this episode at all no. so alterations and expansions do we want to change the whole episode <laughs> do we want to just do a few things here and there no i think unfortunately i mean i could go into quite a bit i suppose but actually just write a better episode yeah you know i think we've said this a couple of times now there's a couple of real stinkers and and i think this is one of them really um yeah it's not, there's nothing sort of offensive about the episode or anything it's nothing sort of you know awful about it but it just it's just just so naff it's so pedestrian mm. so just write a better episode yeah <laughs> yeah for me it you know if i'd got my wish about season 1 and it was enterprise fighting all the pirates and bringing the law to, to the lawlessness 
this would have been like the cap to it. This could have been the episode. It's like, well, we fought off all these pirates. Now we're teaching other people to mm. fight off pirates. And then that whole teach a man to fish that could have worked because yeah. it'd been like, we've spent a whole year doing this. Now we yeah. want to pass on what we've learned to other people, uh, the people yeah. who can't defend themselves. Um, you know, uh, we could have had a whole montage where uh, Malcolm fits up some new anti-aircraft guns so they can blow things out the sky. You know, he, he's teaching them how to build their own weaponry so that when the Klingons do come back and they are coming back, they really can defend themselves. It's very believable yeah. that they will be able to defend themselves. You know, um, this is how we made our um, uh, EM fields and shields. So you could set up a shield base around your camp yeah. and all these kind of things. It would have made so much more sense. Yeah. Um, give Travis something more to do. It, it should have been a Travis story, yeah. uh, and it should have been Archer and Travis. Um, yep. to poll, yes, definitely, because obviously Seuss Minar as well. But yep. Trip, I know it's an engineering problem, but Trip yes. would have been a very you know smaller part of this episode. Um, nothing to do with the fact that I don't like the character, but I just feel like it's such a small element of this episode. It's really about defending the town. Um, yep. it, it could have been Travis's story a lot more, I feel. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right there, definitely. Um, so, recommendations. Do you recommend to Star Trek fans, first of all? No. no. Again, I could uh, I could um, sort of go into more detail, but I think actually we've we've sort of we've already sort of covered it in talking about the episode. You know, no, it's <laughs> it's not a good episode. Yeah. The only it's... thing I'd say about it, and this is an awful, not an awful thing to say, but it, it's it's a dread of mine for next week is that I think this is better than the seventh. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's, now, I'm going yeah. to say it now. I haven't rewatched it yet, Oh, um, but I'm going to say the seventh is the worst episode of Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> and it's right up there with the worst episodes of Star Trek full stop. Oh yeah. I, I'm, I'm seeing where you're coming on that because having watched ahead and watched the seventh to then do the uh, notes for next time we record it seventh has just got nothing it's so empty as an episode it's it literally could be boiled down to a conversation between two people on enterprise in a room for 45 minutes it doesn't need to happen nothing happens i know we're jumping ahead in the episode here but this is you know temple trek we can jump around in time it's fine at least this had an a b and c you know exactly you, they came down they're being bullied they set up for the bullies they beat the bullies done yep. it has a believable aspect to it that archer would get involved in this fight but in this episode um this is fine but seventh coming up oh my god it's gonna be fun uh, well i look forward to a 20 minute episode listeners because that's pretty much all we could say about seventh um <laughs> for non-star trek fans is it a good at least gateway into enterprise and maybe star trek <clears throat> um no but again the only thing it does do is it, it's a very tos episode mm. it's got that traditional sort of classic star trek format they yeah. don't do the format very well mm. but it's got that format and yeah that's the only thing you could say for it i think it is very basic and it's it's enough you don't have to have any previous knowledge of Enterprise to really get no. what's going on. You've got an yeah. armory officer who knows his guns. You've got Hoshi, yeah. who seems to be this character who's learning how to use the guns. So maybe she's yeah. the one who questions herself. Topol is being very logical, and she's got uh, this culture of a, a martial artist. 
and Archer doesn't like bullies. Trip, you know, is the engineer. You are learning things about these characters, but again, at yeah. a very basic level. So, yeah, yeah it's it would be an, not an, one I would show someone to get into into Star Trek, but it's definitely one I would show um, to give a good groundwork for what Enterprise is. You know, it's very basic. Mm. They don't have all the answers. They've got to figure out, you know, a basic level of technology um, to respond against these bullies, these Klingons. It's got Klingons. Like you say, it's a yeah. TOS episode. It's got Klingons. Yeah. They are the bad guys. Uh, Klingons yeah. off the starboard bow. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I think that's, yeah. If it was a, a random um, species, then even less so. But the Klingons does do that. Everyone knows the Klingons. Absolutely. And that's it. We are done with Marauders. Uh, they've gone yes. away and they are definitely coming back someday, but we're not going to see it. Um, uh, that would just be horrible if the seventh had opened with like a archer just reading the report. It's like, oh, they were yeah. slaughtered. Oh my God. What did we do? <laughs> uh, but there we go. Maybe, maybe that would make the seventh a better episode. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> speaking of, um, I'll be doing the setup uh, short, shortly. Um, remind the listeners, how can they find you uh, on the interwebs? Um, Twitter. Academic Trek 47. That's the place to find me. Excellent. Uh, any more episodes coming up? Uh, this is going to be mid to late March when this episode comes out. There should be by then because I'm, I'm speaking to a woman who um, works in fan fan uh, research. Ooh. And she's been looking into the way that um, fans react to the latest, um, well, to Picard, the new series of Picard and the ageing of Picard and how that how people react to the way he's aged and if they and how they sort of what's the word i'm, I'm just reading her paper at the moment actually hmm. just yeah the way that people think about aging and and think about it within star trek oh both sort of so, ageism but also the positives or looking at the yeah that they, exactly, they yeah. imbue him with more power because he's now older and experienced yes to a degree although a lot of people it's like how they people it she used um a facebook group um to sort of um see what people were talking about and how they um so the way they talked about aging i think particularly with marina sirtis's character diana diana troy and the way that a female aged and 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 how they sort of talked about aging with grace um and all that sort of the way you know the way they sort of discussed aging as a thing in star trek interesting and it, particularly there's one guy that they she interviewed or, or spoke to um who's a massive john luke picard fan and, and a, a sort of um and he he looked at it very differently to a lot of other people and she sort of compared and contrasted the way he saw it he he you know he sort of thought about it more as a as a continuation of of john luke picard and mm. and a, a sort of a, a graduation or an, a a sort of a development of, of picard mm. whereas a lot of people felt that he'd been sort of reduced by his age mm. you know stuff like when he went into star um starfleet headquarters and they didn't recognize him and stuff like that and right all that sort of stuff so anyway yeah you know, to, to put a long story short is yes there should be another episode coming pretty soon that sounds like a great episode i'm looking forward to that one that's going to be fantastic yeah uh watching uh picard it was always one of those things like am, am i seeing the character differently because i know he's older or you know is it a logical progression that he would you know fall out of graces and things like that yeah. oh i'm liking that that's that should be interesting yeah. um yeah. 
Right. Well, um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, a lot more than having to watch the seventh again to make notes. I can tell you that. And speaking of, I'm going to set up the next episode. So yes. join us next time. Or don't. It's up to you. Uh, it's a podcast. It's free. No, you don't I have think, to sign I think in. they've got to join us because if we've got to go through the seventh, they've got to join us to listen to it. I think that's the deal. Okay, fair enough. Okay, um, <laughs> we've got uh, joining us for season three, episode thirty-three, season two, episode seven, episode seven, the seventh um, of uh, season two. Maybe that's the cleverest thing about the whole episode. I don't know. <laughs> it's the seventh episode called the seventh. And <laughs> thank you very much for listening. And I'll see you in the next time stream. Goodbye. Arizona moon keep shining from the desert sky above. You know, pretty soon that big yellow moon will light the way back to the one you love. Blue shadows on the trail. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trick Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Also search the Temple Trek Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty-free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream. There we go. Cutting off from my recording. Oh, God, yes, the seventh is coming, isn't it? Oh, my God. I just, I watched it and I was like, when is this going to get to the point? Yeah. <laughs> the episode doesn't go anywhere.